0: Welcome to the LeaderThink Podcast, where we discuss personal growth, human performance, and culture change. This is your host, Philip Gryson. Thank you for joining me on this path. I hope you enlighten others along the way. Hello, everybody. I've got a special guest today. It's Dr. Seth Hickerson with My Steady Mind, and he offers a lot of resources on managing your mental health and our brain, which I think uh, is a popular topic today in the construction industry, but also something that uh, I think anybody can benefit individually, and and, uh, I know I have. Mm -hmm. Um, And Seth has also been working a little bit with the Georgia AGC and Rob McKinney on offering some training to use these tools out in our industry. So um, welcome, Seth. Glad to have you today.
1: Yeah, grateful to be here as always. Any opportunity I get to to talk to more folks in the construction industry, especially safety professionals, I'm I'm always going to jump on that and share some insights.
0: That's great. Okay, so um, we need you, right? We need people yeah. like you in our industry. I mean, we're we've become aware, of and I've been beating this like a dead horse, but um, we're, we're finding out that suicide is the greatest killer in construction these days, and and um, a lot of people are trying to work on mental health, and it, it kind of started as this whole thing of um raise your hand and walk through this door if you have a problem. And that didn't really work with a lot of the personality types. And so now it seems like we're evolving more to giving people tools that they can use. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a great, wonderful thing, but we're kind of still in that evolution. Um, What got you into this field? How did, how did you start into um, it?
1: Yeah, my, I can give you my whole, my quick story, but, um, you know, you, a lot of it was just trying to figure out how to deal with my own issues, you know, throughout my, my journey. and But long story short, I was an athlete growing up, football, basketball, baseball player, and a really good athlete, but just kind of a, I'll say a knucklehead kid. You know, in high school, all I cared about was drinking and partying and chasing women and playing sports. And, you know, didn't take school serious. And my whole plan was to go play college and pro baseball. That was my best sport. But uh, had some scholarship opportunities, but I basically drank myself out of it, you know. So lost that, lost my identity, kind of fell into a deep dark depression, you know. Graduated high school, 2.0 GPA, no college, no sports, no Plan B, you know, and just in that kind of downward spiral, drinking problem, you know. And that's where a lot of kids wind up, you know. Um, but anyway, I was in that pity party for about a year. Eventually joined the military, and in the military, I was fortunate to be stationed in Europe and Asia for five years, and so living overseas, I got exposed to some different techniques and practices that other countries use to manage stress and emotions, you know, like contemplative practice and mindfulness and meditation. And so I just started practicing some of that. This was back in the 90s, you know, before it was cool and trendy, you know, and I was just doing it to try to deal with my own anxieties and depressions and issues and It kind of worked. You know, I'd done all the more the treatment stuff, too, and and counseling. But this was something new that was proactive that I could kind of do on my own. And it just started to work a little bit, you know, so went back, got out of the military, went back to college and did my undergrad in health and physical education, master's in sports psychology, which is what really kind of took me into the next kind of level of awareness of how to train people proactively, mentally, right? And we'll talk about that. Mental health, there's treatment and training. And that's when I really got introduced to how you can start to put together routines um, to help you learn how to train your brain, like your bicep, to increase performance, but also just deal with the daily stressors of life. And so I went on to do my doctorate in educational leadership, which is what allowed me to kind of take the training that I've been doing for myself and for others. I worked with SEAL teams and professional athletes and training people mentally and turn it into a course so other people could do it. But I tell people it's, you know, what I try to do is make my mess, my message, you know, (laughs) all the stuff that I've dealt with and struggled with, you know, with alcohol and depression and anxiety and, you know, military stuff. And I've tried every tool and read all the books and I've done everything. And I kind of found a somewhat of a system that, that works. And I wanted to make that available to other people. And educate more people about proactive mental health instead of the reactive mental illness that we talk about. You know,
0: that's interesting because um, a couple of thoughts on that, that I think a lot of people start searching out for some solution in the middle of suffering. Right. And I'm. Um, so it's great, and you mentioned too that um, Eastern cultures seem to have more normalized things like meditation. Where over here, it's kind of more normalized to take a pill. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's good that that stuff is out there. You know, one, one struggle I find is that a lot of times the people that get into this field, they 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 get into it because of suffering, right? They want to find some solution other than alcohol or the pill. Right. But then when you're dealing with managers, sometimes that everything's going hunky dory in their life, and they don't really see a big need, we'll just suck it up and tough it out. But it's always that moment of suffering that I think people get into it. So um, yeah, it's hard for some people, I think, to see the benefit of this stuff when they're not suffering personally, right? But people around them, they lead are.
1: Oh, yeah. I always say it's like a person that doesn't smoke telling somebody to quit smoking. You know, it's like, it's like, you know, (laughs) or somebody that doesn't have a drinking problem. You know, it's easy if I don't have the problem, if I'm not struggling with the issue, to just tell somebody what you should do. Right. And that's a couple of points to that is in our country, and we can talk, we have, if we had a lot of time, I could explain, you know, why people wait until they're suffering to. Seek help, and that's a systemic design. It's kind of what our society, through our educational system, perpetuates, right? Because there's no money in healthy, independent thinking people. So we systemically, through our educational systems, use a model that is designed to perpetuate. It's called learned helplessness. Yeah. Right? And it's this it's this mindset that a lot of our people have. Or I don't know how to do anything on my own. Right? I don't know how to manage my money. I don't know how to do my taxes. I don't know how to. That's what makes you dependent on. A government and all that. So, most people don't know how to proactively work on their mental health. And so, inevitably, your mental health is going to get sideways at some point. It happens to all of us. And then, that's when they get in that, that they start looking for help. And then, what most people are doing, and this is kind of one of the things that differentiates what we do at My Study Mind, is most people that are out there, and it might be a lot of your listeners, everybody's kind of struggling right now with the result of COVID. Even those managers that might feel like they got their stuff together they're probably struggling too. And what most people are doing is they're in this streaming and consuming mindset. There's so much stuff out there. We're just swimming in a sea of information, you know, reading books and listening to things and watching videos, just hoping something sticks, you know, and that can be exhausting and stressful. And so that's what we tried to do at My Steady Mind is say, hey, streaming and consuming raises awareness, but training is about application. Just tell me what I have to do, right? Amen. And that's what that's what my study mind. And that's what people, you know, like in the construction industry and cops and people that we work with, like, just don't tell me what it is and how good it is. Just tell me what to do and hold me accountable to it. And I'll do it.
0: You know, that's a really good point. And um, I mean, like you, I've had moments of severe suffering in life. And um, I remember going to therapy for a, a recent thing and the therapist saying, you know, I wish everybody did the work like you. And we had this conversation that a lot of people are, they're looking for that magic bullet, right? That, you know, what's that magic thing that just makes this all go away. But at the end of the day, it's the work, right? It is, you know, yeah, somebody can, you know, put a post on the internet, here's something you need to do, but if you don't do it, then you don't get the benefit from it. And it is, you mentioned earlier, kind of like training the bicep. It's no different than exercise. (laughs) You don't go to the gym one time and Hey, I'm all in good shape now. It's, It's a daily practice, even when you're not suffering, right?
1: Yeah, right. And that's the key thing. I always bring it back to physical training because mental training is the same. So physical, if my body was out of shape and I hate the way I feel, I hate the way I look, you know, I, I, and people, I I can't go read a book and just get in shape. I can't listen to a podcast and get in shape. I can't watch people working out on YouTube or influencers in my body. I have to go, like you said, to the gym and I know it's going to suck, you know, because I'm out of shape, you know, I have to go to the gym and I have to do the exercises. And if I go to the gym on day one and I lift and I do the things and it does suck because I'm not strong. And so it's that mental wrestling match of, okay, but I'm still doing it. I know there's potentially going to be a benefit, but then I come back the next day and I'm still out of shape. Right. But it's that little progressive acquisition of skills. You stick with it, put in the work and, you know, maybe six weeks, eight weeks later, you kind of notice a little, little bicep cut or you feel a little better, you know? And mental training is the same way, and that's what, what we do at My State of Mind. I want to show you all the exercises you can do, but the cool thing about mental training is the results happen a lot faster. You know, you get almost instant results with some of the things that you learn when you train mentally, because our brain grows <laughs> through pathways as opposed to, you know, neurofibers.
0: Well, let's go there for a minute. Okay, so I, I, I realize you're a doctor and I'm not, and so <laughs> I'm going to talk about the brain a little bit on like a third grade level. Yeah, that's how I do. That's about all I talk <laughs> okay. Don't worry. All right, good. All right, so we've got this threat assessing limbic system back here, right? And and it's kind of always instantaneous. You know, whether the threat is my direct supervisor or or COVID or who the next president's going to be, we're, we're always kind of like automatically on the hunt for that negative thing, and. I'm, you know, it's kind of automatic. And then and then we can go slow ourselves down with this prefrontal over here and, and maybe do a practice like a meditation or, or some journaling or something to become aware. But isn't it also true that we can kind of train that limbic system over time mm-hmm. on
1: how it reacts to things? And could you talk yeah. about that a little bit? Yeah, it's, it's, you know, the beauty of neuroplasticity. You know, that's the cool thing about our brain is it has the ability, regardless of kind of how old you are or whatever you're dealing with through training, um, we can rewire it. You know, just like if my, my biceps out of shape, again, I come back, I can't just read a book and it get in shape. I have to do the curls and the exercises and that's breaking down the old bad muscle fibers when I'm doing that. And then I let it rest and recover and it grows through hypertrophy. So <clears throat> everybody out there has a, a mindset. And your mindset is a result of your brain set. So your brain sets that anatomical structure of your brain, which are these billions of neural pathways that have formed over time. So if you're 40 or 50 or whatever, you've based on all the stimulus in your life and your perspective of those, that stimuli, you form these neural pathways, which is, you know, if I say something or do something repeatedly, it forms a pathway, then I do it enough. A neural bundle locks that pathway in place, which automates that behavior, that thought, that action. And then neural bundles create a neural network, and then you have all these neural networks that makes up your anatomical brain set, right? And so that brain set produces your mindset, who you are, how I see the world, all my good habits, bad habits, et cetera. But with training, you know, and this is where fixed and growth mindset comes in. You hear people talk about fixed mindset, which is if I just keep that mindset and I operate as I have for the last 40 or 50 years. Growth mindset is through intentional work that you can go down and start to break bad neural pathways, it's called neural pruning, you know, through like inward facing reflections or meditations or thought stopping exercises, you can break bad ones and form new ones. So you're rewiring your brain. That's and, right. Yeah. And, and that's what we're, we're looking to do because what we're trying to eliminate in our life, the thing that holds us all back is subconscious self-sabotaging behavior. Right. You know, right. it's, that's the thing that limits us. We operate on two levels of awareness, conscious awareness and subconscious awareness. And we can do stupid stuff consciously, you know, but it's that subconscious, you know, why can't I stop drinking? Why can't I lose that weight? Why can't I show up on time? Why can't I X, XYZ? you know? Um, well,
0: it's, it's back to the pathways you mentioned, too, that, you know, I mean, uh, there's a lot of people that might have, you know, 30 plus years of pathways in their brain that associate bad day equals go to the liquor store. Right. And, and right. Uh, you know, over time, I, I think, you know, there, there's a it's almost like a, it's almost like throwing a rock in a, a, a lake that it, it, it's not always instantaneous that you create this new neural pathway and the old one goes away you diminish it like, like you said right you're pruning little yeah side streets off of it if you will and and, right. and it does seem to take time but yes you can i think associate over time if you do the work bad day equals i need to do some thought work instead of go to the liquor store but mm-hmm. but it can take work and practice for sure yeah right
1: you know and that, that's the thing it's just learning how to you know change some of our habits, you know, and it, it comes down to being able to change our thoughts. You know, All right. uh, hey, easier uh, said than done. Again, it, it does take work. And that's what, you know, that's what we do. You know, whether it's thought stopping activities, journaling, reframing, those are the like the squats and the dumbbells to help you start to develop that skill or that ability.
0: Sure. Hey, Seth, we're about the same age. And um, it, this is kind of like one of the one of those both are true things spit on you know, back in the 90s, I remember Wayne Dyer and Tony Robbins being really popular. Obviously, Tony still got his thing going and all that. And, uh, you know, it was smaller, the availability of, of teachings on thought work and all that. But that stuff was out there and it has grown. So I kind of got two questions for you on who are the thought leaders that really inspired you. and um, But the other thing is... Um, uh, you know, what makes you unique? Okay. So if we could hit those, Who were thought leaders that inspired you. And then what about your program is kind of unique? Because we do have a lot of those kind of folks today, right. but the Gab Bernsteins and all those folks. But so who are the ones that inspired you and what makes you unique?
1: Uh, you know, I think when I was coming up and starting some of my own personal development stuff, I was, a, you know, I liked Tony Robbins. He was a, a guy that I just you know, looked up to and saw what he did. But then as I got more into the work and I got more into my, the academics of it and the science of it, then I kind of shifted over to Dr. Joe Dispenza. Oh, I love him. Yeah. Dr. Andrew Huberman. Okay. And so Tony and his approach is great. It's very just motivational rah-rah, but it's a lot of, again, just awareness stuff, you know? Right. But once I started, you know, doing my graduate work and learning more about the brain, then I started listening more to some of these, these folks that have a more scientific background. And that's a big part of what I think makes my steady mind different is, you know, we are a science-based program. You know, everything we do is we talk about it's, it's grounded in science and research. We're talking about, but it's not super academic, but the first two modules of our course talk about how your brain works. You know, I mean, if I'm trying to get a construction worker to do an affirmation or a meditation. I can't just be like, Hey, just meditate. They need to know well, why, why should I do it? Right. Well, right. This is how your brain works. It's not, <clears throat> excuse me, just my opinion, or I'm not hoping, but so we, you know, being more science back. And then also, I think part of what makes me and us unique is that we're veterans, you know, so I'm also a two branch military veteran. Um, <clears throat> and so a lot of our coaching and coaches comes from the military community. Yeah. Okay, so you mentioned
0: Joe Dispenza, and I love his work. Okay, mm-hmm. um, yeah, for lack of a better term, he's a little brainy sometimes, right? But, but, like, you, but like you said, it, it's good because he, he's taken it all from the scientific view. And you're right; we, we're at a point in the human race where we know that this is science. You know, things like meditation, all that, are scientifically proven. Right to not just rewire your brain, but I mean, there's been studies with the monks. I think it was Joe Dispenza that did that study where they actually measured the size of the amygdala, and it was smaller in monks, right? And Mm -hmm. and so we have all that. Um, You know, sometimes in the construction industry, it's like we always got to translate it into the non-brainy way of explaining it. Even, right. And that, right? that's
1: what we did at My Study Mind, you know, and that's what, you know, our, our curriculum is really designed at age 14, you know, so I think awesome. that's what kind of my gift was, was to take all of this stuff that's out there between neuroscience, contemplative practice, sports psychology, military resiliency, mindfulness, and just kind of package it and then put it into a training that is easy to understand really easy to digest, you know, and, and fun to do. We have a lot of fun, like acronyms and sayings. And so, you know, that, that's the one thing you'll hear a lot of people that go through our training they'll say, it was just very like, just simple. It was just easy to understand and easy to digest. And so, um, cause you're right. You have to find that balance of, you know, I want to teach you a little bit about it, but I don't want to, you know, blow your mind with all this crazy terminology. And so, I think we found different
0: one. people. Different people buy into different things too. I mean, I think like you know, like I get wowed every time I listen to Joe Dispenza, but you know, other personality types won't. And you take construction, and and there's probably a, a need for a little a bit of both. You get some engineering types that mm-hmm. would really like to hear about the brain, and then you know, a lot of you know, again, lack of a better term, average construction worker might want that 14 year old right. version there um okay you know i was going to ask you about what areas you focus on but I, I think you you do you're kind of packaging a lot of them you do breath work you do a lot of thought work meditation all those kinds of things um which of those concepts on average for your clients do you think you see the most roi
1: on or do you, get uh, a, breath, you get yeah breath, breath work you know because that's that's the fastest way to speaking of that uh, you know limbic system, right? The fast way to flip the switch from from parasympathetic to parasympathetic is, is a breath, right? And so what you're doing in mental training is you're learning tips and techniques to control the two things that control everything in your life, your thoughts and your breath. Your thoughts control your mind, your breath controls your nervous system. Yeah. And most people out there don't have any awareness or tech, you know, so their thoughts are just, that's an unsteady mind, right? My thoughts are just all over the place all day. I get up and I'm just worrying, thinking, thinking about the day, stressing, like you said, all these negative things, who's the president and who's the, that's how most people just exist. And so they're in sympathetic state all day. They're in right. survival mode and it's eight thirty in the morning and I haven't even gotten out of bed and I'm already in survival mm-hmm. mode. Right. So we have to learn things on how to kind of control our thoughts, slow it down, protect them, reframe them, things like that. And then your breath controls your nervous system. And so most people in our society, because they're always in this sympathetic, that's the fight or flight, right? Our nervous system, parasympathetic is rest and digest, the parachute, that's what calms us down. Sympathetic is fight or flight. And most people, they don't have any tools, tips or awareness, you know, as soon as they get up in the morning, they're checking their phone, turning on the news. The kids are crying. The weather's bad. They're thinking about the meetings I have today. They're thinking about, and you're just in sympathetic state. And your breathing is very shallow. You know. Yeah. And so, yeah, it, it's
0: interesting you say that. And I'm, and I'm just thinking about my own, you know, personal life experience here. That I, I definitely see the benefits of of breath work. I feel like personally that you know thought management and all that has had. And I don't know. You're probably going to shoot me down on this. And I'm a OK with that, by the way, that that yeah. has had a, a more profound effect on my own life. You know, running things through like a the cognitive behavioral model, the circumstance, oh, yeah. the thought, the emotions. And all so, that.
1: That you're so the thought stuff is going to have the, the bigger, longer, higher ROI. But, okay. the breath, but the breath stuff is the fastest, most immediate. Right. Uh, So if we're talking about like what's the the fastest, quickest ROI on this training, it's learning some of these breath techniques. The thought stuff takes a little more time, you know, takes more work and inventory. But ultimately, that's what you're learning. You ultimately want to start to learn how to really protect and control your thoughts. But that can be real hard to do for people once they get started. Know
0: okay, no, that it makes total sense. Okay, all right, I love that. I love how you give me the the both are true. I'll do this, are true. Yeah, Yeah, the
1: the breath every I mean, I've been doing this, we teach so at my steady mind. Another thing that people like about our training, and especially when it comes to you like construction folks, cops, engineers, people we work with, is when people in a lot of industries hear this stuff about mindfulness or emotional intelligence or <clears throat> whatever the case, it's just very kind of cloudy and ambiguous and vague, and they don't really know. Like, <laughs> right. And so at My Steady Mind, that's what we did. We, we made it, you know, very, it's got one objective. Everybody's going to learn how to create their My Steady Mind formula, your steady mind, which is flow state, ECR plus IER. So they learn to create these routines. And so it's very and it's a progressive acquisition of skills. So you can see what you're doing step by step and where you're supposed to go. So it eliminates a lot of that ambiguity. And in each module, we teach techniques for your thoughts and techniques for your breaths, your breath. And the first breath technique we teach is called the BAMO breath, breathe and move on. So it's a four second inhalation through the nose, four second exhalation through the mouth. And it's also a call to action, right? Breathe and move on, get back into the project. And inevitably, as soon as people get introduced to that breath technique, like that's the thing that they're saying, oh, my God, that BAMO breath changed my life. It helped me in this situation. It helped me in that situation. Um, but then by the end of the training, they're starting to really develop that. We call it metacognition, that ability to think about your thinking. Yeah. Um, that just takes a little more time and a little more work.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, and you're right about that because I was going to get into it. The hardest thing, I think, with the construction, well, one of the difficulties or challenges, um, the, the construction industry has a lot of people coming in and out of it all day long. And where, you know, maybe there's some marketing team and you can all have a meeting with the same employees and all that. But we got people coming and going. And, and I could totally see the ROI being a lot better on the, the breath work. Because they're already doing things like stretch and flex for their physical health, mm-hmm. and maybe a little bit of breathing techniques would be some good micro doses of mental right. health. All right, um, so the BAMO thing, um, yeah, I totally see that, that you know, breathing in through the nose and exhaling out through the mouth and 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 down in the lower belly, right? You gotta get that diaphragm. Right. Not breathing in through the chest with your mouth and all that can produce that calming effect. So I can see where people could get a quick little return on investment with that. That's a good one. Do you do other ones? You got another breath work thing that you want to share? Yeah,
1: we do. I mean, so the BAMO breath and then the other thing that I'll say about my steady mind that people like and what the the way the training is designed and this was all by design is we use a bunch of fun acronyms and, and things that people can say on the side, like, hey, BAMO, Phil, you know, like, right. take a BAMO over. So it creates this like culture and this way that we can share some of this with each other. Um, it's, so it's a really, I'll say sticky training. It kind of gets in and people are using terms with each other. And that's where you know it's like, it's going to have, you know, long term stick with itness because of the design. And so uh, another breath technique we, we teach is called the double tap. You know, and so the double tap is basically the BAMO breath four seconds in. But then when you get to the top, you hit it a little harder and then breathe out. OK, and that's, and that's and so we have fun names for our breath techniques like BAMO and double tap and, you know, things that people can be like, oh, let's take a double tap. But yeah, so what you're doing with breath training is <clears throat> we're trying to recondition our nervous system so that all every breath we take is deep and down into the belly and hitting that diaphragm. And so, you, what you want to do with breath work is you want to practice the breathing techniques for two minutes a day. So you can practice it for two straight minutes, or you can do thirty seconds here, thirty seconds there. You know, you don't want to just use the breath technique when the heat is on. It's good when the stress is on, and it's good to use it then. But what you want to do is sit out, and say, "Hey, I got a couple minutes. I'm going to sit here and do the Bamo breath for a minute," and just intentionally and deliberately do that breath when you're not stressed. And that's kind of like the bicep curl, right? I'm <clears throat> going up and down, and I'm building cog- uh, physical endurance and physical capacity. When I inhale, I'm activating the sympathetic nervous system, so you can kind of feel yourself getting tense and tight, especially if you hold it at the top, wow. like a box breath, you know. And then when I exhale, wow. I'm activating the parasympathetic. So by being deliberate with those breaths, you're intentionally moving through both of those places, right? So that if you do it, train it long enough, it'll just kind of settle in that perfect balance.
0: And, and definitely, you know, we keep making the analogies with physical health, but I mean, you gotta do the pushups every day, but then you still want the strong biceps when you need them, right? And, right. and so yeah, do we have the regular practice and all that? Oh, okay, so we'll, let's go up a level then. Let's talk about the thought work or metacognition. Um it, And this is just an observation. It it seems like most people, whether it's psychologists and psychiatrists or all the mindfulness type of people, they're all teaching some variation of the whole circumstance, thought, feeling, action, result type of model. Do you teach that, too? Or do you have a variation
1: on it? We use a term called STIA. Stimulus, okay. thought, stimulus, thought, emotion, action. Stimulus, okay. thought, emotion, because that's how our neural pathways form. It's all about neural pathways, right? So right. a stimulus creates a thought. Right. Thought creates an emotion. Emotion yep. is energy in motion, and emotion drives action. Right. So everything a human does is driven by an emotion. Yes. Right. And so what we're learning right. to do is yeah. Or right. a stimulus
0: that triggers the thought that the triggers the well, emotion, that's, right? right.
1: <laughs> and that's what we're trying to do. If you think about that's the, so again, most people that don't have any awareness or tools or anything like that, right? There's no space or pause between a stimulus and a thought. It's just stimulus, thought, emotion, action, stimulus, thought. Yeah. So that means they're at the mercy of all stimulus, right? And that's the very reactive people, right? I just yeah. get up and I'm, reacting to the stimulus on my phone, reacting to my kids, reacting to the, and it's just this constant. And that's where we're just always in that sympathetic state. And so what we're trying to do through training and awareness and is learn how to create a gap between first, learn how to control what stimulus we can, right? Meaning like, maybe I don't watch as much news or I don't spend as much time, whatever. You control the stimulus that you can control first and foremost. But then your defense, your mental defense against all the stimulus that you can't control, which is going to be 90% of your day, is using techniques to create a gap or a space between a stimulus and a thought. That little pause, right? So another person that was very influential to me was Dr. Victor Frankel,
0: okay. who wrote
1: Man's Search for Meaning, Right. And so I don't know if, anything about you, them, So you, yeah. should, you should, yeah, if you're into this stuff, you should check out Viktor Frankl and Man's Search for Meaning. And and that's what he saw. He was the one that kind of coined this. He was a psych- psychologist. He was in the uh, um, concentration cramps, camps back in the day. Okay. And, yeah, and uh, he was a survivor. And what he saw when he was in the concentration camps over the years he was in there was that a lot of people in the concentration camp weren't dying because of the torture and all that. I mean, there was plenty of that, but the majority of people that were dying in there were just dying because they lost hope. They just lost hope. They didn't know how to create any space between all that stimulus and their thoughts. And so he started coming up with techniques to where he could create space between a stimulus and a thought. And then he was in control of his thoughts, not something or someone else, right? He could reframe things, he could see the opportunity and things. And what that did was it made him feel much more empowered and a lot less vulnerable. And so if we, if we wanna be in control of our actions, Right, we have to learn how to protect and influence our thoughts because the thoughts control emotion and action. And that gap, and that's that's the end goal,
0: though, right? Well, so
1: that yeah.
0: you know, and I love the the gap there because it gives a little bit of space for awareness that you know these thoughts are automatic. But the end goal is that, right? Is to can I pick and choose a thought on purpose that serves me better? Mm-hmm. Right, whether yeah. it's hope, right. making the best out of the situation
1: right Whatever. and that's where that's where you know so our training focuses on skills you know so there's six skills and this is again where there's a big disconnect in leadership development personal development out there and so the skills we train people how to improve are resilience presence focus confidence gratitude and emotional intelligence and so like to your point right the ability to just create a positive thought out of thin air, you know, that's, that's what gratitude is. That's the skill of gratitude, you know, being able to just come up with a positive thought or a positive affirmation to kind of make me feel a little better in the moment, especially when I'm being overrun with negative thoughts and, and helping people understand that the reason all of us struggle with negative self-talk and negative thoughts isn't because we're bad people. It's because our damn brain has a negativity bias <laughs> Yes, it does. Right. It's a a, a survival mechanism. Right. And that's what most people don't. We we as humans, we don't wake up in the morning and and we're not on the lookout for good news. That's why there's no good news stations. There's no good newspapers. We've tried it. Humans don't care. We don't care one bit. We want to look for threats. Right. You know, and that's that's how we're designed to be. You know, but the problem is now when we were back in the day when we were coming out of our caves, that served us well because there really was threats that could kill us. We had right. to be on alert, right? But right. we didn't have this 24-7 bombardment of stimulus and notifications and distractions and responsibilities, you know? So now we as humans, we wake up in the morning, and as soon as our eyes open, we're, we're, we're perceiving all this stimulus as bad, right? The bad email, the bad kids, the the job that sucks. And so our brain and body doesn't know that we're threatened by an email or it thinks there's rattlesnakes all around us. Yeah, the, the
0: email's a tiger, right? The email's
1: a tiger, right? It doesn't know the difference. All it knows is this person feels threatened, so I need to activate the sympathetic nervous system and make sure they don't die. Right, right. And that's And so gratitude is a skill. You can't just come up to somebody and say, hey, Seth, just be grateful. And then Seth be like, oh, cool, got it. Thanks, I'm grateful, you know. Gratitude, we have to do gratitude journals, we have to do affirmations, we have to learn mantras, we have to do gratitude meditations, we have to do these things to try to, you're never, not, you're never going to get rid of the negativity bias, but through training, we can just make sure we're not consumed by it. Right. And, and you can't have a negative and a positive thought at the same time. So if I'm sitting here having a lot of negative thoughts, and then I can intentionally just throw a positive one in there, it kind of stops the cycle for a second. Definitely. That may, that may be all it takes. To get your feet on the floor,
0: yeah, and that's the. I think the greatest challenge for the human race is that we we don't have to do any work at all to find the negative in the world, but we have to do the work to change the mindset. Right, and, and it does take effort for sure. Um, on oh, okay, so you mentioned the term resilience. That there's one um, you, you piqued my interest there. So what is that? What are you What are you talking about there with resilience and? Maybe if you could share a technique or something.
1: So in our resilience module, there's a couple of things. So resilience basically means, you know, a person's ability to bounce back. Yes. And so we use, again, part of our training, we use a lot of metaphors and analogies to help demonstrate the things that we're trying to talk about. So in our resilience module, we talk about being the tennis ball and not the egg, Right. Want you to be a tennis ball, not an egg. And so it all okay. comes so the way humans are, it comes back to like I help people understand understand the way our brains work and how they make us feel. And so every morning when we wake up in the morning, we're all eggs, right? right. We wake up, we're laying and we're just an egg, you know? And right. all our brain, our brain's main function is to keep us alive. That's all our brain is trying to do is keep us alive. And so right. this is why it's so hard to get up and get going in the morning, because as soon as our eyes open and the alarm clock goes off and we're that cozy little egg our brain is doing everything it can to say, stay in bed. This is the safest yeah. place you're going to be, right? Yeah. This is the stay under these covers, stay in this bed, right. you know? And so that's that, that wrestling match we're all having about trying to get up. It's like, God, I just want to stay here. Cause your brain's like, Nope, this is safe. As soon as you put your feet on the floor, you're going to be exposed. The scary world's going to come and you're going to have to, you know? And so that's why it's hard to get up. And so what we have to do from resilience, <clears throat> just like all these skills, Whether it's presence or gratitude or confidence, if I want to be resilient today, I have to do something today to make me resilient,
0: Yeah. right?
1: And so what do I do in the morning to turn me from that egg into a tennis ball, right? So we teach embrace the suck challenges. Those are another thing we have in our course, right? So one of the embrace the suck challenges in our resiliency module is challenging them to take a cold shower in the morning.
0: Start with a cold shower right? You got me thinking about Tony and his dunk every day now, right?
1: Right, right. And so a lot of people, you'll see, I mean, anybody out there that's a high performer or doing, they all have a morning routine, which is what we call your ECR, your emotional control routine, which is three exercises or techniques you do in the morning to get you set up for the day, right? If you want to win the day, excuse me, excuse me, if you want to win the day, you have to win the morning, right? And so it's about doing something. And so that cold shower is one of those things. And there's a bunch of neurological, psychological, physiological benefits of taking it. It can just be 10 or 15 seconds. It doesn't have to be a three-minute ice bath, but just something that make you know, and we call the term embracing the suck, right? It means it's a military term. I have to do something I don't want to do, but I know it's going to make me better. Right. And when you get in and if you can make yourself take that cold shower, when you get out of that cold shower, guess what? You're a damn tennis ball. You are resilient. You're ready for the day. You just kicked something's butt you feel great you're alive you're awake you got some motivation and now let's say I check my phone and I get that bad email that bad email doesn't stick to me now now that I took that shower I'm like whatever as opposed to what most people do right get up hit snooze 15 times don't do anything didn't get up then check that now I got the bad email and it just floors me back in bed. <clears throat>
0: Yeah, I love that because well, a couple thoughts that one um, I mean the reason you're here talking to me is embracing the suck, right? Mm-hmm. It, and um, you know every bad thing that's ever happened to me on the long run ended up being something to strengthen me, but I love how you're kind of incorporating that as a daily habit. Let me go self-introduce some suck to my life so I just get better. At well, yeah, it's,
1: it's, you're, you're right, because we all know the suck is coming. Some, there's something that's going to happen that we have no control over that sucks. And, right. you know, it's that learning, you know, getting comfortable, being uncomfortable, all the stuff you hear in the military. So it's about like, huh. what can I proactively do to build my resilience? Because I know sucks are coming. And that's what we're trying to do is when that suck comes, you know, I don't want to get knocked down 20 feet and stay down four months. I just want to get knocked down for a little bit and then come back up, you know. And so it's about that deliberate discomfort. That's all lifting weights is, you know, that's just deliberate discomfort to make me stronger.
0: Yeah, you're building the resiliency muscle. So, yeah, yeah, it's
1: the same with all these. If you want to be present, I have to do something today to set me up to be present. Just like gratitude. That's a big disconnect is people think these are things you should just have. Or you should just be able to do. Right. right. Doesn't work that way.
0: Well, they don't teach in the school system for well, one. Yeah, and then, and we had,
1: that's So that's, again, when I was doing my doctorate in educational leadership, the reason everybody out there in our country that's struggling is we're a product of a school system that's designed to suppress and eliminate our ability to think divergently. That's our school systems are all about IQ, outward facing learning. You know, IQ is learning about things. EQ or emotional learning is learning about self, inward facing learning. Yes. And if you don't give people tools and techniques and opportunity to learn that emotional intelligence stuff, because remember, everything we do is driven by emotion. Right. And Most of us don't have really any strategic emotional intelligence. And when it comes to emotions, there's only two things you can do with an emotion. You can manage it or suppress it. That's it. And if you don't know how to observe emotions and manage emotions, then you're going to suppress emotions.
0: Which will strengthen it. Which, Which well, not, to not to your advantage sometimes. Right? Right? Yeah. I mean,
1: that's like, you know, that's when. and then the problem is in middle schools, especially, that's when the brain is in this developmental stage of feeling the physiological effects of stress, trying to form identity. And if we're not teaching kids in middle school, how to observe emotions and then techniques and tactics, whether it's breath work, meditation, whatever, biohacking, what they start doing. And this is where me and you and probably most of your listeners, where things start to get sideways is in that middle school year. Cause that's when we start suppressing, whether it's drugs or alcohol or fighting or, you know, and then that just becomes our operating, you know, system for emotions. Right. And so that's the, you know, if I had a magic wand, my steady mind would be in every middle school in the country, teaching kids cognitive fitness, right? Training your, and you would solve the mental health problem in probably 10 years.
0: Oh yeah. yeah. And that's you know, again, the both are true that I think it's amazing <laughs> that there's, you know, all these podcasts and thought leaders on these subjects today, but it's still not completely normalized. Like you said, of, you know, Pfizer's got a bigger budget and all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, I mean,
1: it's, we're, we're very hypocritical in this country. Do you, get, uh, do you ever
0: get people that are resistant to this stuff?
1: Oh, yeah, all the time. You know? yeah. and how, how do you deal with that? Uh, I hide the medicine in the cheese. Okay, yep. and, and no so, further. <laughs> yeah, so that's the design again, and that's really what sports psychology is, right? So if you look at mental health, there's mental health treatment and there's mental health training you know, and we need both, you know, mental health treatment is, you know, the medication, the psychologist, the therapist, like there's definitely a time and a place where we might need that, but the training is the proactive stuff. And so what my steady mind does is, you know, like I said, I work with cops and surgeons and SEALs and veterans and getting into construction industry. I, I, I want to work with people that need it the most, that are the least likely to do it. (laughs) So how you, so, so how you, so how you do that is the design of the training in the program is you have to hide the medicine in the cheese. So our program is not a anti-suicide, anti, it's a cognitive fitness training. It will improve performance, right? Because if you want to improve personally or professionally, getting the mental edge and learning how to train mentally is the most competitive advantage you'll get. So it will increase, it will improve productivity. It will improve performance. But as you're going through that training, you're just learning how to, manage and deal with all of your stress right and so what i say in my steady mind what our what, with the look it's it's fun it's sexy it's cool it's hip it's none of this stuff that people think about when they see mental anything else right
0: yeah
1: and what the program does is it allows people to ask for help without asking for help
0: yeah you know,
1: they say oh yeah man i'll do the cognitive fitness training that's awesome i want to learn how to you know um improve flow state i want to be in the zone and i want to do all this stuff but when they get in and they start doing the training and the weekly coaching, you're just learning, you know, how to really deal and manage all the daily stressors that you have. But so that that's that's how you get it into the folks that need it the most that are going to be the most skeptical. You know, we're veteran owned. Most of my coaches are former Navy SEALs that I've trained. So it's not like this is some soft skill training, you know, no like, incense burning. right? Okay, No, this isn't this isn't I'm not trying to I say I'm not trying to turn people into a monk. I just don't want right. you to be a monkey. A monkey. You know, there's the mind, and then a mind. I want you somewhere in the middle, and uh, and and that's you know what we do is very secular based. It's it's measurable, it's science grounded, it's practical, it's tactical. It's all that stuff that most mental anything out there isn't.
0: Good deal, good deal. Okay, so beyond the training, um, what does management need to know about to to make these concepts part of an organizational system? I I know we're going to train people but what do they need to know beyond just training to make it part of an organizational system that lasts that is, yeah, especially the, when we have people coming right, in out of the culture.
1: Yeah. So the thing I say, and with the organizations that we work with, it has to be a part of, it can't be a one-off. You know, you're not going to fix any culture or mental issues with these little one-off approaches that they try to do. Like, Hey, we're going to do chair massages on Thursday or a yoga right. class on Thursdays, or we're going to bring in a motivational speaker in three months. Like, The one-off stuff doesn't work, you know, and it has to be a part of, and the way that my Steady Mind model is built is it's designed, the term I use, it's designed to be operationalized, right? So whether you have 10 employees or 10,000 employees, you can bring our system in and it can accommodate and it can be available and it can, we do train the trainer models, you know, so there's all different ways to where you can... You make it a part of your organization and that that does all kinds of things. I mean, that sets you apart from other organizations. It's a great recruitment tool. It's a great retention tool, you know, and it's just an amazing training and development tool. And what we did was because what's happening in a lot of industries, and I'm sure this is the same in construction, is everybody's kind of trying to figure it out. Right. We know people are burnt out. We know they're stressed out. We know all the facts. We know all this. And so they're in this like scramble mode of trying to figure out what to do. So they're forming committees. They're appointing people to be our, our wellness chair, right? They're they're kind of just saying, you know, just throwing people into places that don't know what they're doing or don't have a background. And so that's what we want to do at My Steady Mind. say, hey, stop. You don't have to do all that, right? We've, we've done the work for you. Here's a complete plug and play system where you don't have to hire anyone. You don't have to form a committee. And now you've got everything you need for proactive mental wellness training, right? And, it, and it, we make it as simple as possible. It's not a heavy lift. So, you know, that's what we want them to know is, like, don't feel like you have to figure it out. Don't feel like you have to scramble, you know, and we make it crazy affordable, too.
0: That's right. Oh, yeah. no, it is very affordable. Very affordable. I your pricing there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's crazy for what they get.
0: Well, that's great, Seth. Well, man, I've really enjoyed talking to you. I mean, it obviously you got some very similar passions here. So I uh, mm-hmm. really enjoyed the conversation. And so if, if people want to find out more about you, MySteadyMind.com is a great place to go, right? Yeah,
1: MySteadyMind.com. There's a contact us form on there or they can email me directly, Seth at MySteadyMind. Seth at MySteadyMind. We're also running an end of the year promotion too. So if anybody listens to this, and wants to do the training, you can do it individually or it's best done as a group or or as a team, they'll get 25% off whatever they decide to do if they purchase anything between now and the end of the year.
0: Awesome. Great. Okay. Well, I will be sure to put those uh, links in, in the show notes there. So anything, any
1: final thoughts you want to leave us with today? No, I think it's just helping people understand how important this is out there and, and that it's all about, like you said, it's just even those decision makers. It's about action. You know, there's a lot of people talking about it, you know, but who's doing anything about it?
0: And it comes down to doing the work, right? Yeah, I got do to do the doing work. Doing the
1: work, right? And so, I mean, I tell people, especially from an organization, you know, you're, and I hope they answer this way, you know, what's your, what's most organizations or companies, what's their number one asset? It's people, the people, right? They're people, yeah. right? So, what what's Especially a person, What's a person's number one asset?
0: Their brain, right? I mean, their yeah. brain,
1: right? Yeah. So, I ask people all the time: If people are your number one asset, your people's yeah. number one asset is their brain or their mind. What are you doing to invest in that, right? And so that's where, you, like, this is where the money needs to go. The training dollars need to go. You know, get your people right, give them tools, and everything else will start to fall into
0: place. That's right. That's right. Well, thank you, Seth. I'm really grateful for the work you're doing, trying to help our little world get better. And I really enjoyed the conversation. Um, So hope you all have a wonderful, mindful week. Hey there. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave me a review. If you want to connect further, reach out at leaderthink.com.